The Guardian. Well, it, it all began with a few people sitting around in a room in London uh, talking about debt relief in Africa and Millennium Development Goals and statistics and policies. What we realised that we didn't have was the voice of Africa. We didn't have people telling their own stories. My name is John Vidal and I'm nominally Environment Man uh, at The Guardian. And uh, ten years ago, I went to Zambia, Malawi, Tanzania and Uganda. This idea that, that uh, uh, the Millennium Development Goals were going to change uh, uh, over the, the, the future of a continent over a long period of time gave us the idea of the birth of the idea being matched by the birth of children. It's really a journalistic enterprise to witness and to record uh, the voices of 10 children as they grow up and as they develop and as their countries and their continent develops into something we know not what. My name's David Smith. I'm the Africa correspondent of The Guardian uh, based in Johannesburg. I just flew to uh, Cape Town to visit uh, Angel Seavoya Svartboy. Uh, again, born in 2005 and uh, living in a, in a township called uh, Kayalicha on the outskirts of Cape Town. South Africa, as we know, is in many ways the superpower of the continent. Yet, uh, 21 years after the end of uh, racial apartheid, um, there is what many people would say still a, a total crisis in the education system. You know, around half the children who begin um, school proper in South Africa will, will drop out by the time it comes to the matric exam, which uh, I guess is the equivalent of, of GCSEs, really. What's your, um, what's your favorite subject in school? Med. Sia, as uh, he's known to his family, um, he's now at a uh, primary school um, in Kailicha. I mean, he um, has a bit of a long walk to get there, but um, it's uh, it's uh, free at the, the point of entry. It's a, it's a government school that's uh, 20 years old. Many schools that are underperforming, but um, in, in Sia's particular case, um, it's going reasonably well. What time do you um, get up every day to come to school? Is that too early? Yes. <laughs> it's been fascinating to watch um, Sia's family, um, his uh, father Benson and, and mother Nonzuzo, uh, gradually, incrementally sort of hauling themselves up. Um, they're still in a a very modest um, shack in, in Kailicha in South Africa. Uh, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of crime, but over the years they've uh, very gradually expanded this shack from, from one room to two, from uh, 12 square meters to uh, about 25 square meters, just sort of slowly but surely uh, improve their, improving their daily lives. Nonzuzo is, is very determined to um, study. Um, she, she quit her job as a, as a waitress at a casino. She got a bursary. She's begun a, a three-year teaching diploma at a college. And she has ambitions to, to go to university 
study for a degree and, and become a teacher. When you finish your studies, can you teach in a school like this? Yes, when I finish, I'm going to teach from grade R to grade 9. What's the salary? The salary? I think it's Pagma 10. 10. In the long term, they hope to, to move out of the shack and, and um, the township to um, a, a more middle class um, area. Um, very hard working, lots of ambition and, and, and slowly but, but surely uh, getting there. I'm Liz Ford and I'm Deputy Editor of the Guardian Global Development section and I was lucky to go to Uganda and speak to Wycliffe. My name is Wycliffe Nalumacha. Okay. And how old are you, Wycliffe? How old are you? Oine Miakemeka? Seven, eight. You see, I am ten years old. I ten when Wiki was born, the family was living in a three-bedroom house in Kampala. Five years ago, he was in school, everything was doing okay. Unfortunately, over the last ten years, life seems to have taken a bit of a downward spiral for the family. Five years ago, they went to a, they would move to a two-bedroom bungalow. And now, after Dad left three years ago, the family is now living in one room in Boise. And Mum Deborah is struggling, um, so she washes clothes and she sells second-hand shoes to support herself and Wiki and his younger brother and uh, an older daughter from a previous relationship. So life is difficult for her. The school that he was, was going to um, up until a few years ago actually closed. It was a government-run school, so there were no fees. This is an area that floods a lot and the government decided that, that this school was too dangerous to keep open. So it closed it and rather than um, given an alternative, it's just kind of almost like walked away. But the nearest schools generally are private institutions and Mother Deborah just cannot afford the fees. So Wiki hasn't, is not in school at the moment. I mean, every single family who we... Uh, picked in, in, in ten, 10 years ago has gone through their own sort of you know, dramas of, of, of just surviving in, in, in sometimes very difficult circumstances. In, in Malawi, the, uh, the smokes, uh, innocent smokes parents, they uprooted themselves from, uh, from uh, Lilongwe, the capital, uh, in a desperate attempt to try and earn more money. The problem with that was that the schools around there are absolutely hopeless. So young Innocent, although he started off well uh, and did very well for the first you know, couple of years in, in, in class, has really now stopped and he hasn't learnt any English at all um, and he really hasn't got any confidence. And a lot of that, I think, is to do with the school system. They thought that by becoming farmers and by uh, uh, growing tobacco and growing um, maize, they could, they could do better. And in a way, they did. I mean, it was absolutely tremendous. But what they were hit by was climate change, he says. He's only had two good harvests in seven, eight years. Um, hit by and, and, and commodity prices. So tobacco, uh, partly because of the, the West uh, getting out of um, smoking cigarettes, 
tobacco prices have gone down. So they've been hit by things much greater than, than, than themselves and now want to go back. He wants to go back and be a builder. He feels that there's an elite uh, middle class in, in, in Lilongwe and he can build for them and he can make a lot of money as he wants to become a property developer. Whether he could ever do so is another matter. But that's his dream, that is, is, to, is to make money from the, the wealthy new class which is, which is arriving in, in Lilongwe. It's interesting to see this within the narrative of uh, changes in Africa over the past decade. Um, a lot has been said and written about uh, Africa rising, about the, uh, the economic boom in many countries, uh, not least driven by Chinese investment and uh, Chinese uh, seeking resources. Um, and a, a lot of that is true. There are great headline figures, but when you dig deeper into it, um, there's been rising inequality. And uh, while there's a an elite who are benefiting and, a, and certainly an expanding middle class, also millions of people being um, left behind. Um, so it's important to, to temper all the euphoria with, uh, with some reality. David Lewis. My name is David Lewis. I'm in fifth grade at St. Clement's School. Uh, young David Lewis uh, in Congo DRC. Liz, tell me what happened to him because this is quite an you know, extraordinary story. He was going to a, a Catholic school which was a short walk from where he lives with his parents and uh, three siblings and you know, maths was his favourite subject um, but unfortunately his dad has been out of work for quite a while and mum needed um, an operation to recover the vision in her right eye quite recently and that was about $600. So the family, there's the, the, the school that he was going to would charge sort of $50 in school fees um, each sort of semester and there's no way the family could afford it. I'm not able to attend school as a student seated on the bench. As soon as I arrive, I'm immediately sent away. When Mama brings me back to plead, they don't want me to enter because she has to pay the school fees, as Papa doesn't work and there's no one there to help us. It does seem possibly that there's concerns about sort of street gangs in this particular part um, where they're living. So the next sort of five years are going to be crucial for, for his development and, and the avenues that he could find himself going into. So it's just really difficult to say. You can be going along quite well and in, in a lot of uh, places there isn't that safety net. So things could be fine one day and then the rug is pulled under you the next day and you've got very little sort of choices or opportunities. When I grow up, I need to become president. I could become president of Europe of Angola. Yes, I could replace President Kabila. As president, I'm going to develop my country. My name's Sam Jones. I'm the Guardian's Global Development Correspondent, and I've been in Accra, Ghana, looking for one of our Here Africa babies, a 10-year-old girl whose name is Hannah Kluchi. My name is Hannah Kluchi. Hi, I'm I think we need to recognise that Ghana has done incredibly well on poverty reduction. Hannah Kluche, who is now 10, like all the other um, children whose progress we've been following, is, is still in school. It's a big struggle for her family, but she's carrying on getting education and she's doing pretty well health-wise. That said, the, the reality out there is a little bit more complicated. Um, while, you know, 
average-wise across the country, things are doing well. In the north, it's very different. Um, and even in the outskirts of Accra, where Hannah and her family live, you know, life is not easy. Well, I've heard about the rules. And do they, do they have any practical impact on his life? Does he see anything getting better because of this talk? Well, I am seeing improvements in my life. Okay, I got electricity about uh, three months ago. Mm-hmm. Formerly, I was connected to someone else's life. Her dad is sort of now getting by in a hand-to-mouth existence, taking work, digging topsoil to get sand that is taken into a crop. He gets work some days, some days he doesn't. So the family is struggling by on about eight quid a week, uh, and they're managing, but it's basically just that, it's managing. What does she do to help her mother? You fetch water, and you fetch water from over there? Mm -hmm. So off we go, a little way from your house, and past some chickens. And it must be about 15, 20 yards away. There is a concrete well, and I can see somebody's beaten us to it, and they've already got a bucket. The family is getting by, you know, they're happy. You know, kind of the dad, Benjamin, told me that, you know, that their house now has no electricity, and that's attached to the line anymore. They've got an outside toilet that they can use, and the water that Hannah draws from the well is clean and doesn't make them sick. And he said those are all sort of new things that he's seen over the past 10 or so years. So even though he's scraping by living kind of hand-to-mouth supporting his family, he has seen some concrete improvements. My name is Deborah Mololo. I am 10 years old. Five years ago, I was smaller, but now I am big. I am tall now. I have one brother and one sister. Deborah in Kenya, our 10-year-old in Kenya, is... It's just so nice to have an upbeat story. She says how much she loves school and she loves her teacher and she loves uh, Christian religious education, particularly at school. She's got her best friend. She loves reading. So this is a a school that's quite near the the family home in Nairobi. So very positive, a completely different sort of view on um, how well education and how a child can do just in a different environment. My favourite storybook is Grandmother Visit This like life is very rosy and very positive um, and that's just a brilliant thing to, to hear the house they have electricity she has tv she has friends she likes playing hide and seek with her friends um, there is a slight concern there's rumors that where they're living um, they, the house may be demolished at some point because it's a it's a poorer area and these kind of areas are quite fragile places to live but I think that for now they're they're not kind of thinking about that and she just seems a very happy child a little earlier this year, I was also in the outskirts of Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, looking for another one of our Hereafter children, a little girl called Zainab. I go to Dalajani Primary School. I'm in class four. Zainab's family are—they're uh, really struggling. Um, life, life is far from easy for them. I mean, just talking about health. Zainab's life is punctuated with, with bouts of malaria. You know, when I was there, um, she said she had very bad malaria uh, in January. Um, she had to take a week off school. Uh, she felt lightheaded. She, you know, she, she told me she thought she was going to die. 
in, in May 2005, Guardian colleagues um, found Sijin Quang, um, who was born in a mud hut uh, on the outskirts of Rumbek in what was then southern Sudan. He was born on the 16th of May uh, and he died on the 23rd of May, so he died a week after he was born. Um, several reasons by the look of things for this. Um, it looks like his umbilical cord was cut with a dirty razor, which gave him tetanus. Uh, he seems to have got an infection of the airways as well. And on top of that, he was bitten by mosquitoes um, and probably had malaria as well. So, you know, three incredibly different, difficult conditions all at once. And, you know, at a week old, there was no chance. In Malawi, the child mortality certainly in the smoke family is, uh, uh, is, 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 is not a problem. They, they, they started off when I met them, there were three children, now there are seven children. The family is happy, the family believes strongly that, 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 that the improvements in child mortality uh, have led to their wealth, have led to their confidence in the future. So it's, it's actually it's a very positive story from, 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 from Malawi. What I found uh, really problematic was the health and, and I'll, I'll talk just very briefly about about young innocent smoke because he was doing quite well at school and then he got this uh, well he's got very early signs of trachoma which is an eye disease which inevitably will blind him over the next 10 years unless uh, uh, unless he gets to a clinic pretty fast in Lilongwe um, and this was a story right the way through all the families I talked to in Malawi had some child one child which was which was very very ill Big, the big story really has been um, HIV and AIDS. Um, uh, South Africa still has the biggest caseload in the world, but uh, after those years of denialism by the South African government, um, now there's a, a huge uh, program of ARVs, and it's it's made a real impact in terms of uh, improving life life expectancy, and, and importantly in this context, um, reducing um, mother to child transmission, and and, and therefore. Um, improving the, the, the child mortality figures. Um, there are still uh, major problems, clearly. And again, in, um, in rural areas, um, children do um, suffer. But, you know, South Africa, apart from one or two areas, doesn't, does not uh, have malaria, um, does not have, um, uh, you know, a lot of the major issues that we're, we're talking about um, elsewhere. Millennium Development Goal number six, which talks about combating HIV and AIDS in Uganda, um, which has made significant progress over the years of, um, of tackling that particular issue. Wiki's mum, Deborah, um, actually when Wiki was born in 2005, there was worries that he might become an, an AIDS orphan because his parents were both HIV positive but not on antiretrovirals. Wiki himself was born um, free of the, of the virus because he had the right care and his mum had the right care in hospital when he was born, which, was, which is brilliant news. Um, in 2005, or by 2005, both mum and dad were on ARVs and Deborah is still on them. She collects them free. So her health, from that point of view, is, is really good and the, the family seem well in that regard. Um, you know, Sia and, and his parents are um, happy, they would say. They're, they're a very strong couple and um, really dream of getting married one day. But, um, but for that, uh, Benson would have to pay a, a labola or, or bride price to Nonzuzo's mother of uh, about a thousand pounds. And so, you know, he's got a fairly steady job as a chef and he's trying to raise that money. Um, you know, of course, life is very tough, but um, the, the couple of occasions when I've been to see them, um, they're, they're sort of friendly and, um, 
and 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 yeah, sort of aspiring and 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 looking for the next opportunity. It was very difficult for them in in uh, in, in in the north of Malawi. The one thing which struck me though was that the, the aspirations were still high. There was still that absolute will to improve life for 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 the children uh, and also for the parents for themselves. For Wiki, he still you know talks about wanting to be a doctor. Um, he was did want to be a, a pilot a few years ago, but now it's a doctor. But the big question is whether he actually gets um, any education at all. Deborah is is not a woman I think that's going to sit back and, and just things have happened but I think she's quite a tough woman she's not somebody that wants sympathy she was just telling this is just life and and it's it's difficult you could see it was difficult for her the house that they're in mum's made it look nice she's put lace lace curtains she you know she cares about where she's living um but there's no electricity the the roof leaks um but they do have a water tap nearby which they um contribute to the costs of She's had sort of training in tailoring and now she just needs to find the money to buy a sewing machine and the materials. But, you know, there could be good things. She's being supported by an organisation called United We Stand that works in Boise. So she's on their, their radar, Wiki's on their radar. So I think she's getting support that she needs, which is great. Yes, he loves football because it keeps him fit and he loves running around. <laughs> Um, you know, right now, Sia himself is uh, 10 years old and uh, literally wants to become a professional footballer, ideally for Barcelona. Um, it's like boys around the world, probably not super realistic. And, um, you know, um, like, like some of the other children, he's he's not yet learned English, even though he's 10. And that, that could hold him back um, within South Africa, where, you know, English still dominates uh, business and politics. But... Uh, but you know the family overall they're on an upward trajectory and uh, Nonzuzo is is very determined to get this education and, and try to become a teacher um, but from what I've seen of her I, I you know I don't think she'll let um, the, the normal barriers um, stop her so my aim is for them not to grow up being the men staying that in the region. I want them to I want to build a better home for them they've got a, a real shot at it a, a, a real chance um, even though South Africa is you know one of the most unequal societies in the world and um, it, you know there's no doubt it, it will be very difficult um, unemployment is uh, officially 25% uh, unofficially about 35% uh, you know it, it won't be easy but um, you know I think um, Nonzuzo and uh, her husband Benson uh, could, could get there Hannah's um, dream is to become a doctor and she wants to do that. She wants to help people, as simple as that. Uh, given where she's living, how hard her family's life is, my God, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult. Zainab, who's pretty good at maths, uh, got 90% in her last exam, English not quite so good, but her dream is to become a teacher, um, which is quite an impressive one, seeing as the school she goes to has, there are 108 children in her class, despite her own frankly rather difficult experience of education. Zainab is very keen to be a teacher um, and I wouldn't be surprised. The children can now speak. <laughs> they had nothing to say when they were when they were born, and when they were five, they were very, very, very shy. And now they're getting their confidence, and now they're they're, they're talking with their own voice. And so it's not 
no longer the voice of the parents. They're not uh, speaking for Malawi or Tanzania or Ghana or anywhere, but they're individuals and they reflect a broader truth about Africa, which I think we all recognize. Five years' time, it'll be a different story. They will have, they will have, their lives effectively will have been set. Well, I just think it's a really good way of putting a human face on these huge overarching global initiatives. Sometimes you miss out on the precise human implications of all this. And, you know, seeing a, a baby when, it, when he or she is born, seeing them five years later, ten years later, following the family, hearing about their daily struggles, what's going well for them, what their aspirations are, what their dreams are. It's, it's just a, an incredibly valuable way of understanding what impact, you know, the MDGs are having. Once you get involved with a family, even if it's only once every five years, you begin to want the best for them in every way. My, my hopes for the families are exactly the same as the family's hopes, is that, that they will do well, that they will better themselves, that they will be responsible citizens in very difficult circumstances. All of our programmes are available on The Guardian's website. That's theguardian.com global hyphen development and on SoundCloud, iTunes and all podcasting apps. This programme was presented by John Vidal and the producer was Carrie Stewart. Until next month, goodbye. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.